With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of Broadcasting Politics with Cisco and Falzone Hour. We're back. And today we have an excellent show. Are we putting too much faith in the U.S. dollar in our current economy? David Morgan who's the chief editor of the Morgan Report and author of the Silver Manifesto. He's an economic precious metals expert. He will be on the program shortly. So just wanted to um, welcome back everyone who's out there, who's been listening and uh, has been waiting to see what has transpired with the show. And we're back. We're back. We're, we're, we're going to be uh, working on getting some excellent guests on the program. So if, you, if anyone had any doubts about us staying the course, have no doubts. We are back. So the latest on COVID. Well, in the U.K., there's been reports that women that have taken a mammogram after taking COVID, the COVID vaccine, there has been some swelling. They have noticed a swelling in the women in, in, in their breasts after taking the COVID vaccine. That's that was the Daily Mail in the UK reporting. Have we heard any reporting in the U.S.? No. So typically, from what I've read, lymph node swelling is not a commonly side effect on other vaccines. So doctors in the U.K. are finding that the vaccine often causes swelling in the lymph nodes. And these are being detected in ultrasound and mammogram breast cancer screens. So, again, it's been proven already that you cannot just go in there and follow and be a sheep. Just because they're telling you to do something, you have to do it. Okay? Now, in the, in the state of Texas, the governor said no more mandates, but he still kept the thing about getting the vaccination. So it's very conflicting in regards to what's going on. There is, there is a big push for the vaccine, and there will continue to be a big push. There's a big push for vaccine passports. Uh, and, and, and as I said, I've said it in the past, it's a lot has to do with control, you know, control of humans. Some 
folks may may think that that's not they will not be able to comprehend that. Some folks will not be able to. I, I would say a great number of people will not comprehend. As a matter of fact, if the government today said, go and eat or drink the urine from, from the river or drink water from the river, dirty river, people would do it. Half of the people or most of the people would do it. Because who's telling you? Some bureaucrat. Bureaucrat. So people don't think, and, and, and people who are critical thinkers are not really truly valued. So it's, 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 it's sad, but that's how it is. You know, everyone has to stay alert to what's going on. Otherwise, you're going to be practically in a position where it's not going to be pretty. Let's try and, and, and get uh, okay. So you you are on the air. Uh, so I, I I gave you a brief introduction. Economic precious metal expert David Morgan, chief editor of the Morgan Report and author of the Silver Manifesto. Anything else that, that uh, you have a great resume. <laughs> okay. uh, anything else that, that you want to add to? Yep, that's good. So in, in, in today's economy, uh, David, uh, we are seeing uh, inflation slowly taking effect. Uh, would you say that uh, inflation is a good thing for gold? No, I think uh, a good thing is the truth. And the truth is that if you use the metrics that were used in 1980 to calculate the CPI is, mm-hmm. consumer price index, yeah. you'll find that inflation right now, the what I'll call honest-to-God inflation, is about 8 to 9%. And that makes sense because the way the government calculated inflation is on a new metric, and they leave out food and energy, the two things that right. are critical to human life. Right. So. Inflation actually is not a good thing in my study view. But if you do have high inflation, one of the best investments you can make is the precious metals. And between the two, gold and silver, in a high inflationary environment, silver is actually a better investment than gold. Gold has been proven through the years to be a better hedge against deflation than inflation, although it provides protection during monetary uncertainty, which is certainly where we're at. Okay, so gold is better for deflation, silver is better for inflation. Generally, that's true. Yep, that's true. Now, we went away from gold. The United States went away from gold under the Nixon administration in 1971. Uh, What was the reason behind them going away Oh, Nixon uh, going away from uh, the gold standard because it was basically converting dollars into gold. And I think I believe it was at $35 yes. per ounce. Yes, okay. we have that correct. 
it was a breach of contract. Basically, when Bretton Woods took place, a big meeting in the nation states to hammer out a new monetary system after World War II, the government said they would want to make so gold standard. We did make it a dollar standard, but at that time, the dollar was as good as gold, six to $35 per ounce of fine gold. And that worked for a while. But what happened was, and it's happened many times, and this gets blamed for the gold standard never works. No, gold is inert. Gold is recognized as money for thousands of years. Gold is a commodity. It's an object. It's, it's a mineral. It's not, it can't think, but man can. So what happened was we, the United States, started printing up more dollars than there was gold to back it up. And France primarily, other nation states, but primarily France, started calling our bluff and said, oh. hey, U.S., if you can uh, take these dollars for gold, we'll send you all these dollars you're printing. Give us the gold. And they started to drain the gold stockpile of the United States, basically just honoring a contract that we, the U.S., said it would honor until it got to a point where it became almost unbearable and Nixon was told basically to close the gold window. And of course, as usual, government blames us, you know, we, the people, it's always our fault. <laughs> right. Of, of course. <laughs> yeah. So it was the nasty speculators and I am temporarily closing the gold window. <laughs> and there's nothing more permanent in government than something that's temporary. And as you said, August 15th, 1971 went up the gold standard, and that's yeah. when inflation really took off. So was it was it also based on the fact that without the gold standard, uh, politicians and the bureaucrats have uh, have a very very loose way of 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 spending as much as they can. There's no exactly. there's no yeah there's no control over like it was. Uh, before uh, before August uh, 15th of 1971, there's there were there were restraint, and after that, that's the reason we we got a, almost a 30 trillion dollar debt, right? Yeah, well said. I'll just add on to that. I mean, gold is a monetary hitching post of the universe. It's right. something tangible. An ounce of gold is anywhere the same, and so that's the fixed thing. Gold's the fixed object. It's the printing press that's not. And once you separate the two, even though, you know, gold never seems to work very long because man doesn't honor basically the contract. But anyway, back on point, you're exactly right. Once you cut the tie to gold, then it's a free-for-all, and you get all kinds of misallocation of capital. You know, you get uh, all kinds of projects that really aren't worth doing, you get uneconomic ideas that get funded. You get the wild stock market that has a stock price of something like 270 times earnings. It would take that company to be in business you know, for 270 years just to make back what uh, the stock price value – or I should say it's not a value of that much. It's the price of that much. So a lot of distortions happen, and this is continuing. And then you see at the end competing currencies. People strive to find something that they can believe in, and that's kind of the basis of not gold and silver as much now as the vernacular being the cryptocurrency market. Right, and 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 I wanted 
later on, I like to touch on the cryptocurrency because I love gold, I love silver, but I also love cryptocurrency. I think uh, so, but I, I, I want to focus on the gold and silver. You're an expert on, on this, and we do have uh, a caller, but I'm going to wait until because I want I have a set of questions that I want to touch on. What is, in your opinion, the country? And I have a funny feeling that I, 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 I have the answer, but let me uh, ask you, because you're the expert, uh, in regards to a country that actually is accumulating more gold than any other country in the world, I would say it would be China. What would you say? On a net basis of you know, tons of gold, it is China. <laughs> but on a per capita basis, in other words, how much gold per person in the nation state it's russia so russia. i hope okay. i didn't confuse you but you know yeah. amount of ounces per person the highest is russia amount of net total tons of gold owned would be china so you're you're correct yeah because I, I i believe that that china is focusing on they know that their currency the one is just like the u.s dollar it's it's not solid and i think the gold maybe something, a gold standard that they may implement on, the, on their end? Well, you know, this is somewhat guesswork. I'll call it educated guesswork because I, I know what they want, or I'm pretty certain I do, and I've written about this in my private work, and it basically comes from uh, Carney from the United Kingdom. It used to be a banker. He's not one now, but when he was, he talked at the United Nations. He talked at Davos or the World Economic mm-hmm. Forum. And they also talked to Jackson, Wyoming, which is where the Fed meets. So in all three of the biggest locations for the G7, G20, all Mm -hmm. the elite, he basically said we need a new monetary system. And it needs to look like this. It needs to be basically a cryptocurrency or really it needs to be a central bank digital currency. So it needs to be centralized, not decentralized. It has to be backed by absolutely nothing. It has to be able to be printed or digitized into infinity, and we've got to have to be able to track, trace, and tax every transaction for every being on the planet. Now, that's what they want. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's what they're going to get, but that's the idea. Now, coming back to you and the yuan and the gold, I think that the system that they want isn't going to take place. I think it'll fail. I don't even know if they're going to be able to implement it, but let's talking purposes say they do implement it but it fails because people won't accept it or it's too big of transition to move everybody over at one time or whatever the complications are i think that the next system up will have some tie to gold i don't think it'll be a direct tie like the pseudo gold standard in Bretton woods but enough to give people confidence that we can trust the currency again. So I do think it will happen at some level. Could be wrong. No one knows for sure. But I sure, think of course, likely. Well, I, I, I love your analysis. That's perfect. Perfect. I mean, I, I, I think I tend to look at that the same way. But I think part of that has to be that whole great reset that they're focusing on, which is, like you said, the crypto, the digital. Currency, both printed and digital, uh, to really, really have control. Because right now we got we got an underground market all over the world, and I believe that they need 
to eliminate that underground market because they want to be able to tax everything and have control over every uh, every transaction out there. Yeah, well said. Exactly. There's, I forget the number. It was Indonesia. I was doing some work there, uh, not physically there, but you know, from from here, looking at it rather uh, deeply, and I think it was somewhere in the uh, you know millions of unbanked uh, people in Indonesia. Unbanked doesn't mean they don't aren't part of the economy. They're a large part of the economy. They just don't have a bank account. And right. you find that all over the world. And what the control freaks want is they want everybody to be banked. So right. they don't want them to have these, you know, private currencies or, you know, swap silver dollars for work done or whatever. They want, as we both said, you know, they want to be able to track, trace, and tax every transaction. Even if you have a garage sale, you can't get paid in cash. It'll be cashless system yes. where where you, you know, your phone to phone, it was this many dollars or you won or, you know, chits or whatever it is. And then they know. They know what the time it took place and then what date. They know where it was and they know the amount. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, it's basically that's the future. And I, and I keep telling a lot of our listeners we're heading in that direction. Uh, how successful are they going to be? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, but it's definitely uh, the way um, they want to, the direction they want to take. Now, for a small investor or someone who's starting out, what would you recommend to be, uh, mm-hmm. Part of the portfolio, if they have a you know 401, uh, what would you recommend as, as as being including silver and gold? How, how would you break it down in regards to mm-hmm. that portfolio? Yeah, what uh, standard recommendations? Uh, first of all, let me just qualify it a little bit. Many people that catch on to the truth get pretty excited about it. They realize that all fiat currencies fail. They see that the U.S. dollars were three cents from what it was in 1913. So, you know, over a bit over 100 years, it's lost 97% of its value. They catch the gold-silver story, and it's like they go all in. That's not a good approach. The best approach is to have a hedge position. So someone that has a self-directed IRA, what we usually uh, suggest would be somewhere in the 10% range. So. If you had a $100,000 IRA after several years, maybe 10000 of that would be in the metals. The older you are, the more you should favor gold. The younger you are, the more you could have silver. So I go through that and how to use the Morgan Report, but that's a general idea. So you don't need to go overboard, but I think right. you're rather foolish in today's environment not to have some uh, precious metals that you can uh, you know, touch if you need it or you know, want to use it type of thing. Oh, okay, yeah, because I think I, I I think for I I I have a, a percentage, a certain percentage in silver, a certain percentage in gold, and then a certain you know part of my uh, my IRA. But I've been doing it for 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 a longer period. But someone who's just starting out, like you said, you shouldn't just fully put a hundred percent into one break it down and uh, diversify. Yeah, that's usually the best way to go about it. I mean, some people make the argument and they, and you could, you know, agree with their argument that 
you know, you put your, all, all your eggs in one basket and watch the basket very closely. I did say I was asked to write the 10 rules of silver investing almost two decades ago for the investing oh. rules book. And that's where they take that top people in a certain segment of the investing world and ask them to write their rules for mutual fund investing, private placement investing, real estate apartment ownership, uh, oil partnerships, on and on. I mean, all different categories of investing. There are several. So on the 10 rules of silver investing, I just said, you know, 10% was enough. But after I wrote that, I did up to 20% because we were going into the war thing with uh, the Middle East with under the Bush administration. So in those conditions, I thought 20%. But I never said 100%. And you can go on to Wall Street. You go on to some of the best thinkers in the precious metals. There's a research firm called CPM Group on Wall Street. And they recommend that 20, they've proven from 1968 onward that the best portfolio performance has a 25% gold component. So they're talking a quarter of your portfolio in gold under all conditions. And I've never said that high, really. So that's, again, research by uh, one of the most well-known research firms on Wall Street. So... You would take your pick. Again, I think 10% is probably enough for most people. But here, the circumstances we're in, you can, uh, you know, read between the lines and determine what's best for you. Main problem is people that get too excited is they put too much in at one time. You know, they put most of their life savings in. They do it on a emotional basis. And silver drops 30%, gold drops 20%. And now they feel like they've made a big mistake. Right. Uh-huh. I got a question. I don't know the answer to it. Is the UK still on the gold standard? No, there's no country anywhere in the world that's on a gold standard now. Okay. Uh, the highest price for gold has been what? Well, that's a great question. Let me give you an answer. The highest price for gold has been... Okay, there's two prices. With a nominal price, is just a number. That's the nominal price. So the nominal price got to roughly $2,000 an ounce, a little bit higher. But okay. the real inflation-adjusted high was 1980 at $850 an ounce. Because if you adjust that for inflation, you're well over the 1000 mark. You're like 2500 or so. So the true – because we have inflation – you know, a dollar in 1913s were three cents now, like I said at the beginning of our interview. And right. so it's kind of hard to get a number. It's like, well, 2,000 is a bigger number than 850. Yeah, but 850 bought you more in 1980 than 2,000 buys you now. And that's right. the insidiousness of inflation. People think they're making more. Well, they're getting a bigger number, but are they getting more value or less value for that? "Quote unquote currency." Great. I um, I have a question from one of our listeners. Uh, the question is: Is it better to invest in gold and silver than in crypto? I believe so. I'm pretty neutral to slightly positive on crypto, and we can get there near when you no. determine to talk okay. about it. But uh, yeah, crypto's been around for what, 10 years roughly, 
gold and silver have been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, like three or four or five thousand years. And okay. they have been coveted as money that whole time. Are cryptos going to be here in another thousand years? I don't know. But I'm not against them. I'm just, you know, which is best? <laughs> I'm going with the long play. Right, right. And and I think w- one of the questions that came from uh, that is that in a situation, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, 654, do you want to ask uh, Mr. Morgan the question uh, in regards to – go ahead. I'm on. Yes, you are. Okay. You're I want to air. ask, is it better to, to invest in uh, silver and gold right now instead of crypto? Well, so, that's a tough so one. First of all, I'm not a registered financial advisor. I'm an independent research analyst, so you can't. I can't technically give you investment advice, but I'll certainly share my opinion with you. Um, right now, crypto's the hottest thing you could talk about. And so, is it right now? I mean, like tomorrow? Probably, the odds are crypto would be better as far as quick gains. As far as long-term stability, I still think that the precious metals are superior for a long-term perspective. But, you know, one of the things that I do often on a question like that is I say, I don't know, so why don't you do half and half? You know, if you're going to put in, you know, 500 bucks, put 250 into the metals and 250 into crypto or something like that. That way you've got, you know, you've got both. If one really takes off, then you're on board, maybe not all the way, but uh, you still have a diversification that you're really seeking. And that's how the best money managers do it anyway. They balance their portfolio, sometimes quarterly, sometimes annually. But all the ones that are big winners, they sell them back down to a certain percentage, and they take those gains and, you know, go on to something uh, to reinvest them in another, you know, set of companies or whatever. So balancing a portfolio, not letting it get too extreme on just one side of the what you hold is actually a good idea. I hope I didn't lose you by verbalizing it so <laughs> to, to see on paper. But the no, idea that is, was a great answer. <laughs> I would actually do that without even your advice, but thank you. I would say 50% of precious metals and 50% crypto. Yeah. That's a great idea. Excellent. Thank you. We, we have, David, we have very intelligent listeners. Yes, you do. Thank you. <laughs> well, one of, the, one, of, one, of, one of the things that I also wanted to touch is the silver price. What, what was the record high for the silver price? The record high for silver was $50 an ounce um, January wow. 19th, 1980. It was a one-day price. But that's oh, okay. the record. And if you adjust that for inflation, it's probably a triple, be like 150 in today's terms. Okay, because today, currently today, gold, the spot on gold is $1,743.75. And silver is at $2,693. Uh, Platt is at $1,216.70. And palladium is at $2,411.56. Where are we today? when it comes to those prices compared to the prices that you just told me about, 49.45 for silver and 2067 for gold? 
Well, we're at a point where silver is a superior, has a chance to be superior to gold as far as capital gains are concerned. I mean, if you look at where gold is, it's fairly close to its record high in nominal terms. And you look at where silver is, it's one half its all-time high of one eight of 1980. So you're talking 40 years ago, and it's only half of what it did at that time. So silver definitely has the advantage as far as what the potential is. Okay. But it's also a smaller market, which means the moves are higher and lower. So in a strong market, silver usually exceeds gold percentage-wise. But in a down market, it also exceeds it on a negative side. In other words, if you're going to lose 10% in the gold market, you might lose 20 25% in the silver market as far as its price. So it's a little tricky, but the conditions that we're operating under right now with what the World Economic Forum wants, the big push to be in this digital-only central bank uh, digital currency and everything we're pushing toward, you know, getting us onto is uh, really most people that are awake need to at least consider the precious metals. One thing about precious metals, not only being recognized as money for millennia, thousands of years, is that still would be pretty silent. If we go back to my garage sale, uh, what I said about the garage sale a moment ago. I mean, in a, even in a track and trace environment, you could probably take a few silver coins and buy that uh, used article off the person giving the garage sale, and I don't know if uh, even your phone would be able to track that. So I'm not suggesting doing anything illegal. All I'm trying to point out is the privacy in precious metals is superior to the privacy in the cryptocurrency world. So you're, you're, you're telling me that the government hasn't really – gone on to really create a tracking system for gold and silver uh, buyers? Yes and no. Uh, uh, okay. If you're at the big level and you're buying in the you know $10,000 plus range, yeah, you're going to, when you sell into a, a coin dealer or whatever, it's over $10,000, you are going to probably get a form and, and report. Got but it. if you're under that amount, then, uh, you know, it's not going to generate any kind of uh, trackable piece of paper or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not saying to break any laws. I'm not saying to know. No, no. Of course. All I'm saying is it's kind of broken down to where if it's under 10000 the government just really doesn't care that much. If it's above that, they do. It's sort of like cash. If you go into a bank and you take out $10,000 exactly. or enough, they want your name. They want your thumbprint. They want your driver's license and everything else. You go in there and ask for five thousand cash. They, you know, you might have to wait two weeks. I'm trying to be funny, but it's true. But there's no questions asked, basically. Yeah, it's just like coming into the country and you you got to report it if it's ten thousand dollars or more. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing. Same thing. Now, the title. I love the title. Are we putting too much faith and value in the U.S. dollar in our current economy? The lifespan of the U.S. dollar, I believe, it's not going to be long. What do you? How do you see it? How do you see the yeah. the, the fiat, the fiat currency? Yeah, it's very simple. I mean, I, I'm not tired of saying it, but it's true. All fiat fails. There's never been one case where a paper money has succeeded long term. Can go for a while, and people accept it. But over the long haul, 
it fails. I mean, if paper money works so well, Zimbabwe would be the richest place on the planet. <laughs> and, you know, if you go back in the history and you look at, uh, you know, how money has changed in the consciousness of the population, it's very interesting. Marco Polo is known as being this uh, explorer that went into China and found silk and spy, you know, stuff that he brought back and, that's kind of what he's noted for. But the one thing that's really the most important to him was that the Chinese were willing to accept a piece of paper as final payment. He couldn't get over that, that they would take this thing that was, uh, you know, papyrus basically smashed out and made into basically paper money, and they would accept it as final payment. And huh. he just couldn't get over that. And of course, that became uh pervasive you know all around the world over time but it was the first thing he saw in china that really just blew his mind wow yeah i mean this is uh this is what happened and all, all these central banks around the world are basically printing more money i mean they you know we had the the qe the quant- quantitative easing one two three four i mean just pouring money into in, into the uh into the economy, especially to help out a lot of these banks and corporations that were after the 2008 crash that were basically uh, on the last uh, breath. Yeah, I'd like to just add on to that. I mean, you're right, but I'd just like to uh, drill down in there a bit. So you're right. I mean, we had QE1234, we had Operation Twist, we had all this stuff going on. And all of that money that you correctly identify as being pumped into the system really wasn't pumped into the economy. Now, wait a minute, David. What are you talking about? (laughs) What I'm saying is it didn't go into the physical economy. It didn't go into Main Street. It didn't help you or I. What it did was it helped the financial elites. And you already said that. I'm backing you up. It went into the banks, primarily in the financial institutions, and a lot of it was sterilized. A lot of the money that went to the banks just sat there on their balance sheet and didn't get spent at all. And some that uh, was used went in the stock market. So you got these super high asset prices, what's called assets, uh, companies, stock, you know, public companies you can trade on the stock exchanges, and banks' balance sheets. But did it really help us? No. It didn't do much at all for the physical economy. Yet we've now got debt loads that are beyond belief that the citizenry are responsible to pay back. The government doesn't pay back its own debt. The government depends upon the populace to pay back to pay back the debt that they create. So it's pretty nice if you can use your uncle's credit card to whatever you've <laughs> got and you don't have to pay it back. You have to pay it back. Right. Right. That's uh you know, it's uh as they say, the the Chinese have been lending us money, and now they they want their money back. The, the Chinese government. Uh, I wanted to touch on something that even myself, uh, most people don't really look at, and it's the mi- mining industry. The mining industry basically produces a lot of what these precious metals that we have today. What is the current status, health status, of the mining industry? Great question. 
I want to proceed the uh, answer with this. If you can't grow it, it has to be mined. We'll give the mining industry a bad rap because they're taught that the mining industry at large is like it was in the 1800s where there's no uh, consciousness surrounding the environment. They dump toxic waste into the nearest river and all that stuff. I'm not saying that doesn't take place on the planet. Unfortunately, in some cases it does. But generally speaking, the mining industry at large is highly cognizant of the environment. So that's number one. And number two, to repeat, you know, if you can't grow it, you have to mine it, which means you couldn't have a cell phone, you couldn't have a computer or a flat-screen TV or a microwave oven or an automobile or any of this stuff without the mining industry. So now, to answer your question, where are we? COVID did cut into the mining industry rather significantly, but not so much as to cause, you know, disruptions in the supply chain. I mean, caused a disruption in the supply chain for a couple of months, but a couple of months out of 12 months is not uh, catastrophic, although it has caused some congestion here and there. For example, the silver market right now is in a area where it, uh, demand is pretty strong and the supply is fairly weak from normal standards. A lot of that has to do with the uh, ability to get um, the refineries up to total capacity, to get the uh, uh, mints up to total capacity. If you look at the other uh, commodities, such as, uh, you name them, I mean, lithium, cobalt, right. uranium, and all those, they too have been hit. But what really took place, and this is kind of common sense for everybody, they kind of know it already, is that the supply was curtailed, but so is the demand. When everybody's sitting at home, working from home, there's not as much, you know, transportation across for your car, uh, probably not, uh, you know, as much economic activity. So they sort of went hand in hand. So on balance, it had an effect, but nothing, you know, that was all that noteworthy yet. I want to add the word yet because the one place it's been very apparent is in food. And I've been talking about that on my podcasts for quite some time. We really have a disruption in the food supply. Right. And especially what happened in, in the state of Texas, with the uh, the whole ice storm that actually impacted a lot of the transportation of, of the food, the water, the uh, electric, I mean the fossil, uh, the gas. So that that was a, even though it's not it, it was not for a long time, it still had an impact. Huge impact. I mean, Texas is you know. I personally like their attitude, but, you know, to have their own independent electrical grid or grid, I should say, not just electrical, it's also, you know, gas, their own grid uh, separate from the U.S. grid seems like maybe a good idea until it isn't a good idea. And I'm not trying to be cute here. It's just that uh, there were big failures and that, was hugely disruptive and still is to the Texas economy, the citizenry and business and everything else. So it's really sad in a way. And it does, uh, you know, kind of points out the vulnerability of the species. I mean, the human race, in my opinion, seems to have this idea that, uh, you know, we've got technology and since we have technology, we're almost invincible. They're not complex the system is, the easier it is for it to fail. Especially in the world of hacking today, 
hiking. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's my, one of my pet peeves. I've been writing about it in my private work now for some time that no one talks about. So thank you for bringing it up because probably <laughs> the biggest vulnerability that we stand at is cyber warfare. And I'm talking cyber warfare on many levels. I'm talking government to government. That's what most people think about. But I'm also thinking about hacking your uh, your competitor in, let's say, the energy grid, for an example, or hacking um, a supply chain with your competitor, or just going into an insurance company and getting, uh, let's say, the top uh, whale clients and getting information on them, and on and on. I mean, I could dream up a lot of scenarios. But the point is that the system is highly vulnerable to Mm -hmm. hacking and yet no one will tell you that if you go to the top people on the tech um let's say the top tech companies and you know who they are the fang stocks i won't name them but right if you were able to get to their coo the cio the ceo and their chief uh, technology people you would learn if they were sworn to tell the truth they got the truth out of them and some of these have said it uh, in the public domain that there is a lot more going on on security level that nobody talks about. And that's the problem with cryptocurrencies, in my view. As secure as they purportedly are, they aren't nearly as secure as people are led to believe they are. Well, let me put it this way. I know a little about that. Anything can be hacked if there's time to hack. It's... it's, it's, it's uh... It's never. It's 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 just a matter of time, and how much they really want it, and you can hack anything. Let me let me go on to your great book, the the Silver Manifesto and the Get the Skinny on Silver Investing. Great names. Tell us about it. Well, the Get the Skinny on Silver Investing was the first book I wrote. Uh-huh. It's uh, not well edited. I paid to have it edited. It wasn't. So there's a lot of typos in there. It's not available. I haven't. That book is very old. Although it's a primer on silver investing, and I'm not ashamed of writing it at all. I wish it was edited better. But it would be a used book on Amazon. You could probably get it for a few bucks. I only sold it for nine or ten, and okay. most of the most of the money I made on the book I donated to Habitat for Humanity on the sale of that book. Uh, Silver Manifesto, that's a whole different story. That's sort of the epic work about the silver market. There have been a few really in-depth research books about silver, but it's such a small niche market that hardly anyone pays attention to it. But for those few that do, it's sort of the Bible of the silver market from all aspects, from monetary history to uh, how markets work, to how the bullion banks work, to how silver leasing works, and all of it. And it's, uh, I think it's 12, 13 chapters, I forget. But it's pretty comprehensive. It took a long time to write and edit that book, and that one is well edited. I won't tell you how many thousands I spent to have it edited. But but that's the classic. And then there's one after that I wrote with David Smith called Second Chance. The subtitle is How to Make Big Profits in the Coming Gold and Silver Shockwave, which we're basically entering right now. And which of those books was the book that really captured your attention? I mean, that really you felt, okay, you know what? I'm really giving back information that 
the average Joe can actually use to benefit himself? That would definitely be second chance. It's uh, yeah, it's a investing handbook. It does talk a lot about the metals, but you could apply the uh, the ideas and ideals in that book to any investment vehicle. You could apply it to real estate. You could apply it to stocks. You could apply it to bonds. You could apply it to anything. Although we do focus on the metals, but the principles apply across the board. The Silver Manifesto is more of an academic read for someone that's really interested in the market or someone that's a silver bug or a silver nut. I'm not ashamed of it at all. In fact, I'm proud of it. It took a lot of work. But it's not something you'd pick up and read on the weekend to learn how to invest in silver. It's much, much deeper than that. Uh, Your website. If you want to give out your website to our listening audience, uh, so if they want to learn more about you and silver and and the precious metals, what's the name of your website? It's very simple. It is the, T-H-E, themorganreport.com. It's all one word, themorganreport.com. I highly recommend that you get on our free newsletter. I do a weekly podcast on the economy and the metals. And what's really going on, like you did at the beginning of yours with what the U.K. said about these uh, vaccines, uh, I'm not afraid to hold back either. I like to get the truth to everyone. They can make up their own mind. So <laughs> I do that. And I also interviews that are public domain. I post those. And I do written article about two or three times a week, excuse me, two or three times a month. So it's a lot of information. I do believe uh, to be a good steward of what you've been blessed with, it's good to pay, pay it back. And part of that is my most valuable commodity, my time. And exactly. I'm very generous with my time to help as many people as I possibly can use the truth about the monetary system and what you can do on an individual basis to get back on track. Okay, so the Morgan Report, uh, if you go to, the, to your website, you can get the Morgan Report directly there? Yep, you get the free newsletter. Just give me an email and a name. Okay. And you get it for free. And then if you want to go deeper than that, there is a paid subscription service. But those are for, you know, investors that are very serious about the resource sector. But if you just want a general overview of the financial markets and we're going silver doing on a weekly basis, just get the free letter. So, yeah, because you you're, you indicate that you uh, you have done some analysis for high net worth investors and also for hedge funds. How does hedge funds uh, and the brokerages, uh, the Wall Street brokerages, uh, how do they actually look at silver and, 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 and gold? Because I, I've been meaning to someone, and I'm glad that I have you on the program, and you are very, into, you know, you're an expert on this. How do they see gold and silver as a friend or someone that they, uh, they can make a lot of money or as an enemy or something that, that they don't really want to talk about? Yeah, well, it's a very good question. You know, whenever you broad brush something, you're going to be inaccurate in a few exceptions. But generally speaking, it's a financialization process for hedge funds. They're not really interested in any philosophical things I said about honest money and real money and history of money and all the stuff we talked about. What they're interested in is how they can make so many fiat dollars by having these financial gains they play around those markets. So it's financialized. They have options, options on futures, options on options. 
forwards. Uh, they have all kinds of over-the-counter derivatives. So it's basically a paper game on top of a physical market. That's what they're interested in. They're really not interested in, you know, <laughs> justice and free markets, really, and all the stuff that I place with the precious metals. They're more interested in keeping the banking system the way it is and profiting by their, let's say, financialization of those commodities. Right. It's, it's, it's all about it's all about them uh, selling products that actually are going to keep you in the market. Yeah, it's a it's a derivative. It's a, something that says silver on it, but you know, forget about taking the real silver here, and you know, then it's been that way. Not just with the precious metals. I mean, it's true of the agricultural markets, all the commodities, basically. So, you know, there's, I mean, I can make the argument on either side. It's good to have a futures market or it's bad. I think it's okay. It's just I don't think any of these markets should be abused. And I believe that particularly the uh, precious metals markets are highly abused. Uh, right. But we don't have time to go into that. <laughs> so uh, as we're coming close to um, our show, I, I, I left the best for, for last. Cryptocurrency, um, like you indicated, it's the hottest, probably the hottest market right now. And you have Bitcoin, and then you have Ethereum, which is, I'm invested in Ethereum, which is the second one, second largest one. How do you see these mar- the market? over the several next several years and and how would they would be able to withstand a, 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 a huge correction in the market yeah you're asking a lot i will give you my opinion first of all we have uh we follow the blockchain story in the morgan report the paid part of the site for quite some time and uh we just really uh recommended ethereum and a couple others yeah uh, recently uh, I'm not a big Bitcoin fan. I I do have a little bit, but uh, we haven't put a formal reco on that, but we have on a couple others. Yeah. So my take, and of course I'm biased, so everyone listen, I'll say it again, I am biased, but I think the best thing that's going to happen over the next five, ten years at the most, probably five years, is a <clears throat> cryptocurrency that's precious metals backed. And I am affiliated with one that's called the Load Project. If you want to look it up, oh, yeah. URLs these days can be anything. You can make anything for URL. The URL is actually AG, which is the symbol, periodic symbol for silver. It's AG.load, L-O-D-E, like mother load. AG.load, L-O-D-E.one, O-N-E. So AG.load.1. It's a silver and gold-backed cryptocurrency. It's one of the leaders. I am involved, so I am biased. It's going to be, I think, again. Hello? 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 Apparently, uh, David has dropped out. That was um, interesting. But I will say that uh, we'll get him right back on the line.
I'm going to try his second number. Again, technology can be advantageous, but also at the same time could create problems like just now. All right, so we are still, we've got five minutes to go. We're going to discuss, because uh, for some reason, probably David's battery dropped out. But we still have time here to enjoy uh, what a wonderful conversation with David. And uh, I think that, that a lot of this whole idea of the cryptocurrency, which I'm a big fan of, and I, as much as I like gold and silver, crypto, I'm, I'm very big on crypto. And I think that as we move forward, uh, a lot of countries, I mean, we have China and we got uh, the EU, the European Union, and even even some of the countries in, in, in uh, Asia also moving towards the crypto uh digital currency because I think I'm a big believer that that's what's going to be in the future. A fiat currency, which is like the U.S. dollar, like the the British pound, it's not going to last, as David indicated. It's not, it's not, it's never happened in the history of the currency world. So for everyone out there who's listening, the crypto uh, digital currency will be the standard. Now, whenever this great reset that was discussed at the uh, at Davos in Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum, where all the super elite in the business, in the tech industry, in, in government, who are trying to push this new world, as they call it, not me, they did, the New World Order, the fourth industrial, the Great Reset. You know, they've come up with different terms. It all means the same. The world will change. It will not be the same. And one of the biggest factors, one of the biggest points that people need to know is that they're pushing a cashless society. So cashless society would be Interesting, uh, and it's already been applied in India in certain areas, cashless society. Uh, so I, w- I would hope that, that people start looking into this and start uh, beginning to think that this is not, this is not a conspiracy theory. Uh, theory. This is reality, okay? Um, five, uh 509-608, you have a question. Yeah, hi, it's David calling back in. I'm sorry. I guess uh, <laughs> technology failed on my end for a moment. I just said that. <laughs> so, uh, David, you were mentioning the, uh, the crypto. Yes, and I heard what you said, uh, a bit of it, and you're right. I don't think the system that we have now is going to last much longer and it's obvious the central banks want a central bank digital currency. They want it centralized, as we talked about before, and that's the direction we're going to move. Whether or not there's going to be a tie to gold or not remains to be determined like we discussed. So 
I think you've covered it pretty well. I know that I only have so much time with you, but I think it's been uh, hopefully enlightening for your audience. I certainly strive to uh, do my best for everyone. Oh, David, no, no. Uh, I'm getting a lot of comments uh, on my uh, on my dashboard and individuals that are kind of shy. Not like my listener, my 254, 654. She was very, you know, a lot of them don't want to, feel they don't have enough knowledge, so they'll send me a text. And one of the questions that they were asking me is, do you foresee a crash in the stock market in the next two years? I do. The stock market by any metric is way overvalued. I mean, the value, like I said, on the stock, I won't name it, but, you know, it's got like earnings 270 years out. I mean, these are absolutely ridiculous and it's a reflection on how much money's been printed that we talked about earlier i we talked about a lot of it going into the bank's balance sheets and a lot more of it going into the stock market so there is no real correlation between the stock market and the physical economy if you go back 50 years and you saw a company that was doing well and sharing their earnings with their shareholders that's what an equity investment is supposed to be you're supposed to be paid part are the profits if you own part of the company. Those days are long right. gone. It's all a big casino now. And so people <laughs> that are wealthy see these big numbers and the market's going up, and the idea that most people are kind of brainwashed with is if, well, if the stock market's so good, the economy must be okay. There's, again, no correlation between the price of the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500 and the physical economy and what's really going on. And it's sad because it really yeah. should reflect what's really going on, but it doesn't anymore, and it hasn't for a very long time. Okay, one last pitch for your book and your website. Thank you so much. The free newsletter is at themorganreport.com, and there's a book tab on there. You can pull down the book tab, and you can find the two books that are still current, and you can buy them if you so choose. Fantastic. David, thank you again for coming on. And, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good evening. Next week, we have another exciting program. Wait and hear who's going to be on the program. We'll talk next week on Broadcast and Politics with Cisco and Falson Hour. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.